Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Timeout Lounge. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, I promise you we'd love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That's the number for you to join us and be a part of the conversation. Want to let your business be the best? Want to give your business the edge? Then check out high-speed internet. Not just high-speed internet, but world-class gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. We've also got world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Seaspire country. Check availability now at cspire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming up in just seconds. We will get into the blitz as we start things off, as we have throughout the football season. But before we do that, I will open it to these two guys. What, what have we been saying? 30 seconds or less. Thoughts on the weekend that was, and what a weekend. Wow. <laughs> Kind of feels a little different than it did, doesn't it? You know what? If we're gonna make play it to make fun of them, we should play it to celebrate with them. Absolutely, yeah. balance. You know, it's all about that balance. That atmosphere, the post game, everything so was good. exactly what's great about college football. All of it, hundred percent agree. Absolutely. And there were probably some boys on the uh, front yard of a fraternity house that heard that. And they said, play it again! <laughs> they they got their money's worth, I bet, yeah. Apparently, if Twitter is to be believed, there was a church service on Sunday morning that had its choir sing Rocky Top as part of the church service. Buddy, I saw well. the video. It is mm. real. That yeah. happened. Now, if I was in the congregation, I, mean, I would have had issue with that, honestly. But that's... Nope, no negativity today. I would have had issue with that, but it's still that's I mean, college football. 
You might as well thank the man upstairs for that knuckleball going through the uprights. He's the only reason it happened. And right between the two paws, man. I mean, it, if he just closes uh. his hands, it's a block, but they were spread out. Ball goes right through. Hey, Dad, 30 seconds or less. Thoughts on the weekend? <laughs> nah, not a is great that, weekend here. Is that a tear? Ah, no, no tears. We, uh, we got plenty of time this afternoon to dissect that, to unpack the uh, weekend in Knoxville. But first, it is time for the Blitz. We should have known when it started the way that it did on Thursday night that we were in for a good weekend. In fact, we even alluded to that on Friday. If this is yeah. the appetizer, we're in for a weekend. That was West Virginia beating Baylor 43-30. That was big time. Also on Thursday night, you had John Rice Plumley accounting for six touchdowns in a 70-13 to win for UCF over Temple. Move up a day. SMU 40 to 34. World class backdoor cover by the midshipmen with two touchdowns in the last minute and a half of that game to get it within inside the number. Bruce Marshall told us. Bruce Marshall told us. How about the Illinois fighting Illini slash Burt Bielema's in the driver's seat alongside Purdue in the Big Ten West? After a 26-14 win over Minnesota. Speaking of the Big Ten, Michigan is a beast. 418 yards on the ground. J.J. McCarthy was average. This was Michael Borky's Penn State Nittany Lions looked the way that he expected them to look. Yeah, Michigan's a machine right now, man. They in Ohio State at the end of the year, it's a pseudo-playoff game. That's going to be nuts. Should be a good game. Things got a little bit better for Oklahoma in the Big 12. Two in a row down now for Kansas, losing 52-42 in Norman. Good game from Dylan Gabriel. Kansas without their starting quarterback. They still put 42 points on the board, but they could not slow down the Sooners' offense. So 52 this week on the scoreboard for Oklahoma after putting a goose egg on the board against Texas in the Red River last weekend. Speaking of Texas... This was the kind of game in recent years that Texas would have lost. They rallied in the fourth quarter, and they went 24-21 over Iowa State to move to 5-2 on the year. There has been a theme this season going back to week three. You fire your coach, you plug in an interim, and you get a win. This week, it was Boulder, Colorado. Colorado, the Buffaloes, after firing Carl Durrell, they stun Cal in overtime 20 to 13 to get their first win of the season. Maryland, Mike Loxley's team, now five and two on the year. It has not been a good year for the Indiana Hoosiers. Maryland 38-33 over IU. We mentioned this one. We'll talk more about it. There was a knuckleball field goal that turned out to be the difference. 52-49, an absolute game for the ages in Knoxville. Tennessee beating Alabama for the first time in 15 tries. I saw a tweet earlier that said, nobody beats Tennessee 16 times in a row. <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs looked like the number one team in the country. Granted, it was against Vanderbilt. Georgia scores 14 in the first, 14 in the second, a measly six in the third, but they close it out with 21 fourth-quarter points, including a walk-on scoring a touchdown 
55-0 Georgia over Vanderbilt. Really like Clark Lee and the job he's done, but consecutive weeks of letting walk-on score touchdowns, is that's not fun for the morale. It's rough. The Arkansas Razorbacks get K.J. Jefferson back, and they uh, survive what could have been a pitfall, a a, a hole, a curb, a a tripping point on the schedule. They go to Provo, and they win 52-35 over BYU. Five touchdown passes in the game for K.J. Jefferson. If not... A little bit, a little bit. They played a bad defense so, in BYU, but we'll see what it looks like did, going forward for the Razorbacks. I think they got a little mojo back. They're going to they're run off some wins here. If not for Tennessee-Alabama, the game of the day would have happened in the Big 12 in Fort Worth. Overtime between TCU and Oklahoma State. What a game. TCU 43, Oklahoma State 40 in double overtime. That one was fantastic. Everybody's talking about Hendon Hooker, rightfully so, but if you don't also talk about Duggan right now for the Heisman Trophy, you're doing it wrong. He belongs up there, too. He's on an undefeated team. He's got big numbers. I don't know that that's game two of the day, either. I don't know if that's the one I would pick after Tennessee-Alabama. That's how many good games there were. We have more to look at. Double overtime in the Big Ten. Michigan State, Sparty, it has been a struggle been a struggle for Wisconsin. They fired their coach, got a win, didn't get a second win with uh, Jim, um, what's his last name? Leonard. The, Leonard. Jim Leonard. That's it. 34-28, yeah. Sparty over the Badgers. James Madison goes down for the first time this year. After jumping into the top 25 for the first time as an FBS program, they lose on the road to Georgia Southern, 45-38 the final. Gainesville, Tom Petty Day. There was all kinds of displeasure from the Florida people because the LSU band played over, won't back down in the fourth quarter, but it was LSU that didn't back down. Monster Day for Jaden Daniels, 45-35 LSU over Florida Tigers, now 5-2 and two on the year. Florida fans telling Billy Napier, don't come around here no more. Third. 13 fourth quarter points for the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles, and they needed every one of them. 20 to 19, a win over Arkansas State in Hattiesburg. Golden Eagles now 3 and 3 on the year. Furious fourth quarter comeback for Florida State. Too little, too late. Number four, Clemson stays undefeated. 34 28 over the Knowles in Tallahassee. Florida State falls to 4 and 3. If Memphis at one point had a rabbit's foot, they've lost it. A four-overtime loss in Greenville, North Carolina. 47-45, ECU over Memphis. You're counting. They lost on the last play of the game two weeks ago. They lose in double overtime this week. They're bad losses, and then there's this. Stanford 16, Notre Dame 14 in South Bend. That one was gross. Perhaps the game of the day Hey Dad was talking about. Utah 43-42 over Southern Cal. That was an awesome football game. Cam Rising and Utah getting it done at home. The victory bell, North Carolina 38-35 over Duke. How bad is Nevada? Hawaii 31, Nevada 16. We'll get into Ole Miss Auburn. We'll get into Kentucky, Mississippi State when we come back. That's the Blitz. 
Mississippi continues. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. As we ran through those games from the weekend, and I know it's just boom, 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 boom. That's why we call it the Blitz. But, again, this weekend was just kind of – and I understand if you're a state fan – there's a sour taste in your mouth, a win, and you're like, oh, what a weekend. You get the loss, and it kind of puts a damper on the whole thing. But if you're just stepping away and going college football writ large, holy cow, this is what we dream of. Borky, it was three matchups against undefeated teams, deepest, only the, the second time that it's happened this deep into the season, and we had six top 25 matchups, and... Really, they all lived up to the hype. Yeah, except for Michigan, Penn State, which was weird for a while, though. And but it was. It, what was it? The mid third quarter when it just kind of turned on itself. I mean, Michigan yeah. like had ten times the yards in the third quarter as Penn State, and they were down. Right? It was sixteen fourteen, wasn't it? Or they were up. So either way, it was a two point game like that, yeah. when they had like ten times the yards as Penn State. So you knew it, eventually it was going to come to head. And it did, but yes. I mean, and it had everything, right? We had just great games between two traditional powers. You had Oklahoma State TCU, who nobody, even though they maybe should with Oklahoma State, considers like a national brand like mainstay college football. They delivered. And then on a very emotional night for Utah, I mean, you you guys saw their helmets. Uh, I'm spoiling one of my winners. Uh, They hand-painted the... The, those helmets that they wore with the the faces of two of their players that they have uh, that that were tragically killed uh, in gun violence the last couple of years painted yeah. on their helmets. Uh, it was an awesome tribute, really well done, an emotional night, and that is the ending that you get. Caleb Williams crying as he's walking off the field. You had a ref grant a timeout to USC during a play. Like, while the play was going on, they decided that USC called a timeout. It was bizarre. But just all of it was everything we love about college football, of course, ending. Or not ending, but highlighted by Tennessee. Yeah. We're going to get into all of those games, especially the ones involving SEC teams. But the reality is, and kind of the whole idea behind this show from the very beginning is, you can get that. You you can tune into just about any sports talk radio show in America today, and you can hear about Tennessee, Alabama, and we will do some of that. But we got to start with what happened in the Magnolia State. Ole Miss kicked off early. They won, so let's start with that game. The Rebels winning over the Auburn Tigers. So... Final score, 48-34. It's a two-touchdown win for Ole Miss. Rebels got out to a blazing fast start in the game, led 21 to nothing, And then, honestly, there was one blown coverage 
And it felt like on third and, what was it, third and 18, where Auburn converted, it was like Ole Miss kind of took its foot off the gas a little bit. The team looked a little flat. The stadium felt a little flat for, you know, part of the second quarter and part of the third quarter. And then Ole Miss kind of shifted it back into gear as well. Um, Big picture first. You, you guys watched the game. Hey, Dad, I know you had some thoughts about how open some of the Ole Miss receivers were. I saw that on Twitter. Uh, Borky, I, I know you had thoughts as the game went on about what you saw offensively, what you saw defensively. So we'll get into all of that kind of individually, but let's kind of start high level. Um, uh, high level, I think two things can be true at once, and it cannot be overstated that th- this team's 7-0 and now. Uh, they're three and zero in the SEC. They're having in, in back-to-back games in conference games. I know it's Vanderbilt threw for four hundred and fifty yards, and then the next week ran for four hundred and fifty yards. How many teams in college football could do that? Uh, not very many. Uh, the the offensive diversity is real. Uh, the the turnaround in just two and a half years that Lane Kiffin has implemented on that program is is hard to fathom when your take or, or most people's takeaway from a two touchdown win against an SEC West team is eh could have played better you know that you've got something really good going on but also the point is they could have played better multi I think it's four games this year where they had significant leads and did not deliver the kill shot didn't I mean, it was Troy in the opener uh, they, they were leading Tulsa 35-14. They were leading Kentucky 14 to nothing. They were leading Auburn 21 nothing. And those games, maybe not Troy, but the other three got really squirrely at, at different spots. And run defense and tackling was atrocious on Saturday. Absolutely atrocious on Saturday. So the good, 7-0, and 3-0 in the SEC. Offensive diversity is unbelievable. Uh, there's a lot of good going on in your program right now. You know, for what it's worth, you lead right now in the SEC West. Shout out Tennessee. All of that is real. All of that is true. All of that is good. But if they don't improve defensively in tackling and stopping the run, they've got challenges coming up that that might be hard to overcome if they don't sure that up quickly. Hey, Dad. Let's do a compliment sandwich. We'll do compliment criticism. Compliment. Okay. Uh, first compliment. I don't think I'm, I'm. I may be overstating it. I don't think I am, but I think Lane Kiffin is the best offensive coach in college football. The, the thing that drives me, well, not drives me crazy, but I maybe mean, he does. It, his offense is. It, it just seems very simple. They're running the football and they do a lot of play action. I mean, that is the most cornerstone thing about football, right? Is that's how you you move the ball. But there are guys running wide open. It seems on every play for them. And it seems like when they run the football, there's always they're always getting positive yardage. They're falling forward. That they're not getting stopped for a loss. It's it's really it's, if you're an unbiased watcher of college football, Ole Miss might be the most fun team to watch, just in terms of how good they are offensively. Criticism, and you sort of said it again. You said you know took their foot off the gas. It feels like every week we're talking about Ole Miss taking their foot off the gas. They got to stop taking their foot off the gas at some point and play a complete four-quarter football game. They got to start doing it this week down in Baton Rouge against a suddenly rejuvenated LSU team. Don't play four quarters against LSU, probably going to lose. And then Borky hit on it there at the end. You know, it may hurt you to hear it if you're a Mississippi State fan, but Ole Miss right now is in tremendous position to go to the SEC championship game for the first time. They get they're in first place. They get Alabama at home. 
They can beat LSU, they can beat Arkansas, they can beat Texas A&M, and they can certainly beat Mississippi State. There's a, there's a, they got a lot of work to do, but their path is clearer than anybody else's. Yeah, I think that's fair, right? I mean, a ton of work to do. Five games remaining on the schedule. All five of them are SEC games. Three of the five are on the road. One of the five is against Alabama. You think Alabama's going to roll over? Just because they lost a game, you're probably not paying attention. They're not going to roll over. But Alabama has flaws. They have real, recognizable flaws. Now, I'm turning this into something about another team. Tennessee was spectacular on Saturday. Tennessee has flaws also. That that, that was not uh, all the props in the world to them. I don't know if there's a team in the SEC that doesn't have flaws. On the whole, got to play four quarters thing. I can't wait, whether it's this Saturday against LSU, the following Saturday against Texas A&M, after the open date against Alabama, the road trip to Fayetteville, wherever it is, I can't wait to see what it looks like when Ole Miss gets in a game where they have to play all four quarters. Right, so, so we've talked about the fact that Ole Miss hasn't put together four quarters this season. And I think everybody can agree with that, right? They didn't do it in the opener against um, Troy. They, they Georgia didn't... Tech is the one game where they played four quarters of good football. Yeah. Yes. They took, all, they took everybody but, but, but they, out and backups but, but and right. third stringers and all that late. But that, that, That's fair. That, 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 I would agree with that. But they didn't have to play four quarters in that game. True. They, you know, UCA, whatever, just throw that one out. Didn't play four good quarters against Tulsa. I asked Lane Kiffin after the game, and we may hear that at some point this afternoon. I think we may play that at some point. I said, hey, has your team played its best football yet? And he said, well, for that first quarter today, we really did. But I think what I was getting at is, you know, have you played a game where you've played the best you're capable of? And I think the answer to that is no. But they haven't been forced to either. So if, if they get into a game, this coming Saturday against LSU with the 2.30 kickoff, where they've got to play at a high level for all four quarters, can they do that? Maybe. Or do they have to do that? If you blitz your way out of the gate to a 21 nothing lead, do you build enough cushion where you don't have to do it every day? I, I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. We'll see. Let's talk a little bit about the way this one unfolded and what it means for this Ole Miss team. And then maybe dig a little deeper into what Haydad was saying about Ole Miss and the route that it has to do something that it's never done before. Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back. To Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Richard Cross with you talking about Ole Miss's win over Auburn. 
the theme of this one was again the yeah nah, he'll he'll be back uh, on his own. Time. You say so? Yeah, he, he got uh-huh. caught up watching TikToks. So he's you know following the Danos guy. Uh, <laughs> he's but, like a floss later. But but the the theme of this one and really Ole Miss's season is the the lack of putting games together. We get this message. Uh, we've been around long enough to know that nobody plays a complete game for four quarters. Rarely does a team play back-to-back halves with equal intensity, usually due to halftime adjustments. Two things. The, the concept of halftime adjustments is really overblown, and, and here's why. They're not going to wait till they get to the locker room to fix things that they see. It's not going to be like, you know what, Coach, we really should run the cover three here because that will expose their quarterback. But, you know, no, 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 it's still the first quarter Let's wait till halftime to adjust it. It, it doesn't really go down like that. They, they're adjusting and, and making it, adjustments and things all game. But more importantly, it's in these games when when they're better. They're be, Ole Miss is better than Auburn by a lot, and they had the opportunity to deliver a death blow. And Richard mentioned it earlier. It was like third and fifteen, I think, or third and long anyway. Ashford escapes the pocket on a broken play, hits an open receiver downfield. Auburn scores, and they're back in the game. It's things like that where Ole Miss has the has had the opportunity. They had it against Kentucky. They've had it against Auburn. They had it against Tulsa, where they could deliver the death blow, and for whatever reason, did not. It's not that you know you don't expect your opponent to make adjustments, and not every quarter is going to go smoothly. It's that you have chances to put teams away, and you have not. And eventually, you, you're going to get bit if that's how close to the sun you're going to fly. It'll burn you eventually if you keep doing that. When you've got the chance to put somebody away, put them away. I mean, if Ole Miss doesn't recover an onside kick, which was a fantastic call and well executed, but if that goes the wrong way, who who knows? Who knows? I mean, and you don't want to put all your chips onto we're going to catch them off, catch them by by uh, surprise here and get this onside kick. Ole Miss is a much better football team than Auburn, top to bottom. Auburn should not have been in the game as late as they were against Ole Miss, and, and, and that I mean, there's there's no there's no way you can watch Ole Miss play this year and not come to that conclusion. I do think that Auburn deserves a little bit of credit. I mean, right? We've been really, really critical of Auburn. Tank Bigsby. If you listen, last week we talked about it, and, and I might have even belittled it a little bit more than I should have. He's a good back. He had a 50 yard mm-hmm. run in there, but he averaged nine yards a carry, had 180 yards rushing. Jarquez Hunter, two weeks in a row, he's played well for Auburn. And to 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 its ever loving credit, Auburn deserves some credit because a team with as much baggage as they had coming into that game, and all the negativity surrounding their program, brother, down 21 to nothing. In the first quarter or early second quarter, wherever it was, uh, yeah, it was early second quarter. Fourteen thirty-six to go in the second quarter, and you're down twenty-one to nothing. It would have been real easy to just shut that bad boy down. Yeah, and they didn't. I mean, they, so they deserve credit for that. The guys are still playing hard for uh, for Harson. I, I found are. it interesting. So they they benched Ashford, which was a stupid decision, by the way, for one series. Uh, for one series, but they uh, they showed him getting emotional on the sidelines. He was getting into it with Tank Bigsby, and at first you thought, "Oh, this is a disaster." I mean, they're about to implode. Yeah. And then they cut to the sideline reporter, and she says that Ashford was saying, "Stay with me." Stay like he was telling the veteran, "Stay with me." She said at one point in the conversation, somebody said, it doesn't matter who scores the touchdowns. 
which is a bizarre thing to hear on the sideline, an argument, but it, but the, the young quarterback was telling the veteran, hey, stay with me, we're in this, which I thought was pretty impressive. The guy that looked emotional on video was the one being the adult, at least in that exchange anyway. Now when he got benched, he showed a little bit of emotion on the sidelines that, of course, gets caught on camera, but... Um, that, I thought, was kind of cool, actually. I mean, they're getting beat up. Their coach is going to get fired. He's young, and, and that was his message. I, I was kind of impressed by by that report during the game, yeah. that that's what he was saying to Bigsby. Chris Button, by the way, really good at her job. Some of the numbers from this game, almost 29 first downs, 23 of them on the ground. They ran it 69 times for 448 yards, six and a half yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. The um, very nice, yeah, very, very nice. If not for one sack and two team rushes, they are over 450 yards on the ground. Didn't throw it a whole lot. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. But in terms of Ole Miss ran 88 plays for 578 yards. He ran 88 plays and averaged 6.6 yards per play. You're not going to lose many games doing that. No, and again, Auburn's not. This isn't you know the best Auburn team in the world, but there's still guys on defense that are SEC caliber talented. I mean, it's Auburn we're talking about here. Again, Brian Harson's going to get fired, but it's still Auburn players. Mm-hmm. And Ole Miss ran on them like a team does Auburn Tech, not Auburn. I mean, that's what that's what you're supposed to do to South Alabama, to Tennessee Chattanooga, not Auburn. In a week after throwing for that same amount, it, it, the, it's staggering how many different ways. They can win games, and it you know it, it it's Auburn, it's Vanderbilt, but still, yeah, they they scored forty eight points, and Jonathan Mingo and Malik Heath and, did not record a reception. And and by the way, based on the result we saw on Saturday night, does Ole Miss now get more credit for its win over Kentucky? Yeah, that Absolutely. was a really good win. Uh, how much? Were they, were they, are they not getting the appropriate amount of credit? Do you think? I mean, I, I don't. I don't think Kentucky is a top ten all, team. All, all but... I've heard about was how Kentucky wasn't any good and gave that game away in Oxford. Since Ole Miss won that game, I would, that's all I've heard. I would, I would say that Kentucky's pretty good, but they did give, they did a lot to give the game away. Ole Miss did the right did they thing. Give though, it away or did they game? Miss take it? I mean, there's a difference. I think when you miss field. When you when when you lose by three and you leave five points on the field from missed kicks, you gave it away a little bit, is what I would say. Yeah. Almost didn't do anything to, to make those kicks go bad. But at the same time, when a team makes mistakes, a good team takes advantage of them. That's you, what Ole Miss did in capitalize. that game. Kentucky makes mistakes, you take advantage. That's what Ole Miss what? did. Quinshawn Judkins, twenty five carries for a buck thirty nine and two touchdowns. He averaged five point six. Zach Evans, 21 carries, 136 yards and a touchdown. He averaged six and a half. Jackson Dart, 14 carries, 115, no touchdowns on the ground, averaged eight yards per carry. 
That is, you probably saw the video, Lane Kiffin saying not one, not two, but three 100-yard rushers in an SEC game. And he learned this play how right to here. slide. This play right here. This play to Judkins right here is, is just silly. He goes in motion, comes across the formation, and Auburn doesn't say, hey, let's put a player on the best player on the field. Let's just let him run free into the end zone. Incredible. A week is after Judkins, setting a school, school record for receiving yards. Is Judkins yours? the SEC freshman of the year? He's got to be, right? Who, who's a better freshman at this point than, he is. than Judkins? Yeah, I mean, nationally. I, I follow college football pretty closely. Who's having a better freshman campaign than him? He's without question a freshman All-American. No doubt. No question. And and if he continues on this pace, he's going to be well over 1,000 yards rushing. He's already got double-digit touchdowns on the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. He, he, he's, he's on his way to that if he's able to continue at this clip throughout the remainder of the season. I, I was just going to say about Mingo, on the heels of... Setting a school record for receiving yards against Vanderbilt last week, he went zero catches. And batted a ball that hit him in the hands up in the air that got intercepted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah catch that one. I don't think that I've heard this said anywhere publicly, and but I don't think I'm missing anything by saying this or, or, or divulging anything by saying this. Lane Kiffin in talking to his team in the locker room after the game, said to them, you guys know I love an unselfish story. He said, you know what Mingo did last week, and we talked about it? He said, when we were coming back out at halftime, or maybe it was after the the delay, and he had no catches in the game, he said, Coach, we're killing him in the run game. Don't stop running it. And, And that kind of resonated with Lane Kiffin, and I think maybe resonated with teammates as well. This has shown the ability to win games in different types of ways. We all know the competition level is going up. Price of poker is going up. The value of these games gets bigger each week because Ole Miss has won all of the games that it has played so far this season. Huge one coming up on Saturday against LSU. Do you have any areas of concern as it pertains to the offense? Offense, no. I think there's a lot of concern on the defensive side. And a sneaky now, one is health there, too. Well, and I was going to say, maybe the biggest issue, I mean, how different is Ole Miss if Cedric Johnson plays on Saturday? They didn't set an edge the entire game. He sets the edge. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Lots of messages coming in on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. You can uh, by the way start if you would like sending us um, your winners and losers submissions. We will get to those in the four o'clock 
hour. Uh, so what you guys are saying is Thanksgiving is going to be a long day for the dogs. Adam from Monticello. I don't know if we're ready to say that yeah. quite yet. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Is I'm sure I'm quite ready to say that. Okay. Um. Zach in Oxford says, "Thank goodness it is a day game in Baton Rouge and not LSU at night." Probably going to be a little LSU bit more juiced than it would have been had they lost to Florida. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Boy, those fans would have been ready to quit. Uh, you would have seen thirty thousand plus empty seats had they lost to Florida this Saturday. Instead, they should be fired up. They, they played their best game of the year. Jaden Daniels they, looked like a real live quarterback out there. I, let me ask you something about that. Is there anything from that game that made you change your opinion of LSU? LSU is a good but flawed football team. They could win. They could win nine games. I think they could. They could win out and just lose to Alabama, or they could go seven and five, you know, six and six. It just it just depends. It depends on who think- shows up. I think we got to remember that that's the 12th-ranked passing defense in the SEC in Florida. Yeah. But at the same time, recognize that Jaden Daniels threw the ball with more authority and more confidence and more zip than he has at any point this season and other than maybe a few rare occasions at Arizona State in his career. He looked really, really good in that game. I would say it might be a bigger deal that all of a sudden Kayshawn Booty cares about LSU football again. He's still open from that game two years ago in Baton Rouge. 270-something yards, whatever the number was. Um, Haydad said a second ago that Ole Miss is positioned to make a run at the SEC West title and the SEC championship game for the first time ever. Are you doing like some reverse voodoo stuff there because you don't want to see it happen, so you think you talk about it a lot? Or like, are you genuinely looking at that? Because the scenarios are there. Why would you not? Why would you not? They're the only undefeated team left in the West. They are going to get to play the team that everybody thinks is going to win at home. They have tough road games remaining. Underdog play, you know, on the road in Baton Rouge. Yeah, that that, that line has flipped. They, they started off as a favorite, and a day later, they're 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 the underdog. But I mean, we'll see. I, I, I yeah, that's not. There's no jinx involved. I'm just telling you that's just the facts. That is how the SEC is right this second. <clears throat> it's all there in front of them. These are these are two important. I've already heard the well. We're not going to know anything about Ole Miss until after they play Alabama. I mean, come, it's just nonsense at this point. These two games are going to tell us a lot about the team and and everything that comes with it. You don't just walk into Baton Rouge and get easy wins. You don't just walk into Kyle Field and just go away with easy wins either. By the way, Ole Miss has not had an off week. They won't have one before either of those two games. They're pretty banged up. Jackson Dart's a little banged up. I mean, you've Jalen Robinson still can't get on the field. Uh, Jared Ivey played, but he was favoring something. Uh, Cedric Johnson couldn't play. Troy Brown is 
clearly banged up a lot. And so you've got kind of a beat-up team, which is the nature of the game, but you don't get breaks before these two games. You're telling me that they should just, oh, yeah, they should just go win, no problem, and if they win, we won't learn anything about them? It's just this nonsense. I don't understand how people can think that. You don't just go to Tiger Stadium and win easy. It does. It never comes easy. If they go down there and win this weekend, you have learned a lot about this football team. A lot. And the same thing goes for College Station. I would agree with that. I mean, two 200,000-seat stadiums. And look, Ole Miss is also in that place that it has not been since 2014-2015, right, where it has a single digit next to its name. And when you go into a road stadium as a top ten team, you are looked at and treated differently than when you just were they not top ten last year at any point? Uh, maybe I'd have to go back and look. I'm just thinking about that run when they went into Tiger Stadium as the number three team in the country and what fourteen, and they went into Gainesville. What were they, five or six going into that game against Florida? I just know those environments were vastly different than I had ever seen them before with Ole Miss walking in. Right. Ole Miss was 11th when they played Auburn, which would have been the peak. So, yeah, no, they were not in the top 10 at any point last year. That's surprising. I didn't know that. We'll start uh, winners and losers for the 4 o'clock hour when we come back with you. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. This here's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on a Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You like fall golf. This is your week. This is your week. See the temperatures for tomorrow? Mid-50s. Little sweater weather on the golf course. Two championship hole. Eight uh, championship 18 whole courses, the Oaks, the Azaleas. Talked to a buddy that uh, played uh, the Oaks just a couple of weeks ago. He's like, man, that place is amazing. You can experience amazing by going to DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tee time or to plan your trip today. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, with you this afternoon. You want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line. That's the way to do it, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Of course you do. Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Seaspire country. Check availability now for your location at seaspire.com slash business. You can send us on the Seaspire text line your winners and losers. It's time to do that right now. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. Get a winner never quit. 
did you like from the weekend? That's a winner. What did you not like from the weekend? That is unfortunately a loser. Michael Borky, you are hitting leadoff today. How about the two conferences that were the most impacted by realignment and television negotiations and their futures in peril? And the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are fun. They're fun, and they've got good teams. You saw mm-hmm. TCU-Oklahoma State this weekend. Incredible overtime game. Great environment. Kansas is a fun story. You know, Texas stinks, kind of, so that's fun. Oklahoma stinks. That's somehow fun. And then the Pac-12, UCLA's playing well, and you got, I mean, a lesser version, I suppose, but you got a very similar environment in Salt Lake an emotional thing, big brand coming into town, and it was an elite-level game, back and forth, touchdown, 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 back and forth and back and forth, and controversy, and the home team gets a win, and it was pandemonium just like it was in Knoxville. The two conferences that were dead aren't dead at all. They're very much alive. At least they were this weekend. You're you're right. I did, by the way, have a thought late on Saturday night when that – Southern Cal-Utah game ended, I thought, hmm, hey, George, what if you wish you'd push to that 12-team playoff? Because right now, UCLA is your best hope to get a team into the playoff. Southern Cal lost. They probably eliminated themselves. That's probably. a shame. Probably, probably. so. Uh, quick winner. Foot College football sunsets. Did you see the shot? Out of Utah Stadium so and the shot over the top rim of Neyland Stadium looking west. Wow. Those were great. Uh, but that's just like a little side one. Hey, Dan, give me a winner. It's a winner. I mean, it's got to be Tennessee, doesn't it? Come on. I mean, that, that's the... That's the, that might be there. Might be a, may not be a bigger winner this college football season Play until we get to the national championship. I It really is something. Yeah, to, to, to win one of the... I mean... On top of it all, that's an elite-level college football game. Two teams going back and forth, haymaker after haymaker. A lot of stupid mistakes, but that's part of what college makes football fun about. You know, I enjoy defense, those. By the way, there was not much defense in that game. Not a, not a ton, but you know, sometimes when you needed to make a play, they the defense has stepped up. Well, and, Bob Shoup talked about that once. He said, you know, you can give up forty-nine points and play great defense because you made the play to make the stop when you had to. Whereas if you lose 10-7, to 7, you weren't good enough defensively. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. So that, and then Hendon Hooker, I mean, he's got to be the favorite to win the Heisman now at this point. I mean, that's who I would vote for if I had a vote. 448 yards rushing. I'm just going to go with the Ole Miss running back, running the football room, because it's not just running backs. It was quarterbacks as well. You average six and a half yards per carry across sixty-nine carries. Yes, that's very nice. It's but but it's more than you know. Silly punchline jokes aside, it's it's controlling, it's dominating, it's forcing your will, and it's also an insane amount of patience. If you watched Ole Miss on Saturday. There was a level of frustration, probably, that set in kind of early in the game when Ole Miss continued to try to pound the ball inside 
only getting two or three yards into the teeth of that Auburn defense. Did it once on a fourth down with a quarterback sneak. There was method to the madness because they continue to run play after play after play. They go almost 90 plays, and for the second week in a row in the fourth quarter when Auburn desperately needed a stop, like against Georgia last week, they had no gas left in the tank. They were on the field for so many plays, and Ole Miss just kept leaning on them. And then what do you get? You get one of those inside zone hands-offs. Quinchon Judkins makes a subtle cut in the hole, and boom, 50 yards gone. This is dominating. Ole Miss running game, winner's list. Will Levis is another one. Sorry, State fans. And, it, you know, they, they really don't ask him to do a lot, which is bizarre because if he's this uh, first quarterback off the board type player, then you would think you would open it up a little bit more for him. But despite that, um, he is he is the leader and, and has the toughness of a guy that I want quarterbacking my team. I mean, separating his shoulder, running to the locker room, coming out, playing and playing well, playing tough, playing physical. And then to Cole Kubelik after the game, Cole asked him, you know, what, what was your thought? You know, what, what was going through your mind when that happened? He said, it's my left shoulder, not my right one. I'm going to play. Just get me back on the field. Toughness, attitude, leadership. He's got all that. Questions about the other stuff will come. But everything else he's put together as you want in a quarterback. Point of order from something you said earlier today. This was Auburn, not Auburn Tech. Auburn, for a long time in its history, was actually Alabama Polytechnic Institute <laughs> before officially becoming Auburn University. True. Yeah, had a, had a buddy point that out. He's like, "What weren't they? Weren't they Auburn Tech at one point?" <laughs> yeah, point of order. Hey, Dad, you got another winner? Are you ready to switch? Oh, we can switch. I, I got it's up to you. Choices here. You do. I mean, from top to bottom with Mississippi State, embarrassing performance, offense, defense, special teams. You can't take anything good from it. Um, just an, I mean, an embarrassing loss. Give Kentucky credit. They played well. They had a great game plan. But we spent all week, everybody on the show, me on my podcast, Robbie Falk, everybody I talked to, oh, the offensive line, the defensive line, State has such an advantage there on the line of scrimmage. And that got completely flipped. Kentucky dominated the line of scrimmage, and that's why they won the football game. And so you walk away from that for Mississippi State. You went in with a ton of momentum. Now you're going to be on a two-game losing streak because here comes Alabama. I got a tweet uh, Saturday night, and, and you know we've talked a lot about attendance. And I thought this guy nailed it. He said, people don't buy in because they don't want to be at this game. He's like, I, I don't want to be the guy who spends a ton of money and comes to State for a weekend, and State blows a game, they should easily win. I don't want to do that. And so every every game with Mike Leach is kind of like a time bomb. You're just waiting on it to go off. And it, I guess this is the one that he was, I don't know if you want to pick this or LSU, the game he was supposed to win. He's favored in both games. We'll see if we get the uh, win one you're not supposed to, because at this point that's going to be a major upset if it happens. You know the rushing number? It was... What was it? Seven rushing attempts. There were there were two. Mm-hmm. Was Will Lo- well, actual Will, right? Yeah. Was it seven or two? Eight? Will Rogers sacks and it's seven. I thought he was only the, sacked the, the team they're, that they're you're showing. He's yep. sacked once on the official book. Rogers had a carry too, where he got a couple yards. Okay. So 
10 carries for 33 yards. I don't know that anybody I've heard. You know that 16 of those 33 yards came on the first offensive snap of the game for Mississippi State? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and so after that, just completely reverted back carries, to what they did in 2020. Yeah. For 17 yards. Completely reverted the offense back to what didn't work two Oops. years ago. Yeah. Work, you want to squeeze in a loser before the break? Uh, yeah, real quick. Game length. College football needs to do... <laughs> what I noticed about when I was at the Saints game a few weeks ago is how efficient everything is. Even the flags. Like when a flag is thrown, the, the refs get the calls in faster. The game is more efficient. College football takes too long. There are too many pauses. The commercial breaks are too long. It takes officials too long to get calls in. They need to speed the games up. You had a great product this weekend and at times was frustrating to watch because of how long it took. It took 12 minutes to play the first 37 seconds of the Ole Miss-Auburn game. It's ridiculous. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. All right, boys, we have got a ton of winners and losers that have come in today on the text line. We'll get to those. Do you have another winner or loser that you want to plug in before we do that? Or you wanted to do Utah? You kind of mentioned it earlier. I did, yes. Yeah. So, so Utah had a pair of players uh, that, that were killed over the last couple of years, one in an accidental shooting and one in an apparent murder. And they had the their helmets that they wore. Um, were hand-painted, and they had one player on one side, one on the other, and they looked incredible. I mean, it, you know, there's always... Be- because of what it was, they looked incredible. Because of what it was, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's hard but Because to- I, I did the whole... I, I'm going to Twitter, and I, like, typed in in a search bar Utah helmets because I couldn't remember. It's like, I know there's significance here. I just don't... Yeah remember or know what it is and that's what it was yeah it was hard to if you didn't know it was hard to see what it was but when you got the up close image that, that was a really cool way to honor somebody and I, I you know i'm not a member of the families of those young men but if it were me and mine i would think that is really special especially with how well done they were so that was a really cool thing and then winning the game in that fashion on top of that was i mean you saw utah players mm-hmm. after the game was over crying on the sideline yeah, very it's emotional. Very emotional night, and to pull out a win after that's just storybook stuff. Hey, Dad, anything else, winner or loser, or you want to hold off until we really dissect Mississippi State? Nah, let's, let's get into what the, the listeners have for us. All right, winner, Delta State football. Statesmen are 7-0 and for the first time since 2000 when they won a national title. Currently ranked number 8 in the country. Overwhelming favorite to win the Gulf South Conference Championship. Congratulations to Delta State playing really good football. Closer game this week. I think 20-7 to was the final. Ben's always good about sending us those emails and read through that uh, earlier. Uh, loser. Leach. That's all it says. No elaboration. Uh, loser. Paul Feinbaum. Did you all see Feinbaum comparing the end of Bryant's career and Saban? 
There's some folks that are writing the eulogy saying that, that this is the end of it, which we've heard before. Not that not happened smart. in 2015, by the way, when Ole Miss won in Tuscaloosa. That Alabama yeah. team won a national championship. Yeah. And yeah. I'll do it. I tweeted a joke on Saturday. Some, A lot of people got it. Some people didn't. Um, <laughs> and so I had to remind them that Dan Wilkin in the USA Today wrote a The Saban Dynasty is era column after that game. I shared the, the screenshot. But this Alabama team has it is, issues. It is a little bit different. There's some problems. It, they have issues. They, they are one of the worst penalized teams in all of college football. Not in the SEC. They're in the bottom five in college football and penalties called against them per game. Defensively, they're bad. I don't think they're particularly great up front. If Bryce Young was not healthy, they would have gotten absolutely smoked. They should have lost three games this year. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But that game wasn't an anomaly. Speaking of flying closer to the sun than they should have, Alabama has been playing with fire and they got burned. And this might not be the only time. Did they get burned by cigars or something else? Oh. oh. Did you did you guys see the nighttime picture from well outside the stadium looking back mm-hmm. at Neyland Stadium, lights still on, with the haze of cigar smoke hanging over the stadium? Yeah. One of the many TikToks I, I watched this weekend was somebody who went out to a cemetery and found General Neyland's grave and put a cigar on top of it and, and just walked away. I mean, if you don't like that, I can't be your friend. Uh, loser, the referee that called roughing the passer on a Florida player. I was watching like three games at the same time, so I mentioned that one. What did you say, hey, Dad? You could just stop the referee. referees. Uh, Done. Loser, Mike Leach, for getting away from the run game. <laughs> Another Delta State winner. Okay. Loser, all of America, we have to listen to Tennessee fans think they're really the greatest thing in football history again. Oh, that'll change in two weeks. Possibly. Possibly. Loser, Mississippi State, not because they lost, because they have to play Alabama after they lost. Ooh, that's from Keith in Water Valley. So the stat going around today is Alabama under Saban has lost 10 games that aren't Iron Bowls, 10 regular season games, right? In five of those games, the next week they played Mississippi State. <laughs> that, that, that is just the meanest stat of all time. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the conference is like, they're going to lose this one. Put State after that. Some stats are better left unsaid. Uh, oh, loser. my gosh, that's painful. The Ole Miss field runner who got gang-tackled. Yeah, two points of order on that. First of all, it's not a streaker if they're not naked. Yeah, you, you have to be naked True. for it to be he a streaker. He wasn't a streaker. You have to be naked to be a streaker. You're just a field runner. And that that idiot, which, by the way, that's not funny or anything. That's stupid. The guy's a moron. The best part about that was not just that he got smoked by the Lafayette County Sheriff. or, or It was actually which, security. Which it was a private security guard who first took him down. But the second that was, was a the... former wrestler, and then it was the law enforcement coming in, and that was a violent Wait, what? Former professional wrestler, Hi- high school wrestler. Oh, I would have gone nuts if you'd been like professional wrestler. Like, y'all call it fake. Look what happened. So, so he got smoked like he deserved because he's a moron. But the best part is he probably thought he was going to get on TV, right? He's probably telling his three they friends that, that he has, "Hey, hey guys, watch for me on TV." 
But that was the point where the lightning was close enough for them to bring all the camera guys down, but not stop the game. So he, e- ESPN's lightning radius is 10 miles. The SEC's <laughs> is 8 miles. They had locked off the cameras, and so there was nobody following you, it. You're you right. You saw him for a half a second, and that was it. He didn't even make it on TV. I loved I loved Orlowski's uh, reaction as soon as he got hit. He's like, oh! <laughs> I was like, yeah. I know what just happened. He just yeah. got smoked. I hope somebody got a video, well, and they, they did. We really should uh, allow, like, KD Hill, even though he seems like a nice kid. Somebody with a, a more uh, would would be willing to do it, just force that guy, no punishment other than this, stand on the 10-yard line, get a defender from the home team on the goal line, and let him run as fast as he can and knock him out. He has to be the senior day practice dummy for the final tackle at practice yeah. on your last day before your, your last game oh, of the regular gosh. season. Yeah. Oh. Just allow those people to get lit up by the players, and, and you'll deter it forever. Oh, With all due respect to the got, police officers, we've got a, we got a special guest, too, by the way. we got a special guest tackler today. Welcome Ole Miss legend Patrick Willis. He's going yeah. first. <laughs> you know the guy I would not want to be tackled by? Derek Burgess. That's a good choice. Mm. I would have gone Cassius Ware. Mm, yeah. Uh, all right, let's I mean, get some more of these. now, but still. Winner, Ole Miss finally got a night game. Loser, Ole Miss gets a night game in Kyle Field. Yeah, Kyle that, Field. That's a weird deal because the two best games of the weekend are being played at the same time. Why didn't they put one of those at 11? It's weird. I don't know. The, the I don't understand, schedule this year has just been I don't weird. understand the entire entire scheduling al- it, algorithm. It's it's all over. The I place. have no idea. What are they going to do in a few years when there's all these extra games? I mean, they're going to have to get a new, another channel put together. Uh, Mike and Oxford. My winner is Allie Wise, the former Ole Miss rifle team member for winning the world championships in air rifle. All right, good winner, Mike. Cool uh, winner. Anyone who took the over on penalties in Knoxville and Lexington, winner. Whenever Tim Couch works out, they are making bank off of his membership. <laughs> Loser. He is Tim ripped. Couch's shirt. <laughs> Crying for mercy. Uh, winner, Ole Miss. Loser, Fart Vegas. Okay, uh-huh. one of those. Just throw uh, that in, why don't you, Richard? I'm just reading through these, man. One after another. Ole Miss rush defense. Loser. LSU will try to exploit it. They will try. Uh, let's see here. What's lost? Mississippi State, Dylan Johnson gone for the season. That's from Donald in Oxford. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Mike Leach is the biggest loser. And this was, uh, okay, so this was a series of four messages. Mike Leach air raid offense sucks big time. Mike Leach is not invested. Mike Leach is horrible. Mike Leach is the biggest loser. The not, really feel. the not invested thing, that's... What's, he I, acts uninvested, I'll put it that way. What I imagine is really frustrating, though, I, I've been thinking about this. So two and a half years he's been the coach at Mississippi State. How many different ways have they lost? Because I feel like they lose the same... Every loss is the same. The, the, the reason why the conversation after the loss is the exact same... <laughs> After every one of them. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I was reading ahead while you were saying that, Borky. I know that was a kind of a serious and important point. We have to come back to it because Just Rusty, Rusty says, loser. Bob Costa is calling the ball girl at Yankee Stadium a ball person, and why can't he just shut up? <laughs> Everybody in baseball hates him right now. Oh, Paul and Cleveland winners, Northwest 7-0, Delta State 7-0, Ole Miss 7-0. Uh, loser, Mike, uh, he will have plenty of help packing his bags. All right. That's a bunch of winners and losers. We will be right back. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Quickly on the ceasefire text line, I just want you always to know that we are here to help. Right? If if you're if you got something you need to talk about, you can send it to us on the ceasefire text line. Uh, let me give you this as an example. Y'all love Bama getting beat, but they will be back and will play Tennessee in the SEC championship game and beat them. Our response: Where does denial fit in stages of grief? Too many good athletes. Sad thing is, I've got Ohio State, Michigan in the top five, and they would get uh, beat by all three teams, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. Google tells me that denial is stage one. So you're still very early in this process. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. We are here for you, and we want to help. And you, too, can reach out on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I will reach out again after they went out and get to the SEC championship game. And then he followed it up with homeless people are going to be all irritated this Saturday because they're going to get beat by LSU. And he's, I think he meant to type Ole Miss, which was kind of funny. Ole Miss auto-correcting to homeless people is really funny. Hey, Dad, there are different types of investment in life, right? Yes. So you're, you are invested in Mississippi State. You have a lifelong investment in Mississippi State. Yeah. In a slightly different way. I was invested in Mississippi State on Saturday night. Who of us is more disappointed? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't I know the answer. Be, I think you'll be all right over there. Mm, I just I had know. to guess. I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think you're about to be a homeless person. Is that autocorrect, old man? Yeah. No, that's not. That was that was just the real world. Um, right. I mean, just bad. Every stage of the game, bad. Defense, bad. Offense, bad. You had, some special, you had a special teams issue. So I get the and, how, right? Because I watched it. You watched it. My right. bigger question is why? Why was it like that on Saturday night? That's, a That's great what question. I don't know the answer to. You know, State did everything it could do wrong. You know, they, they, the, the offense reverted back to a couple years ago. They didn't want to run the football. Um, defensively, you know, state, their run defense, the stats had not been great, but I was willing to sort of chalk that up to they'd play two teams with elusive running quarterbacks. If you just try to run at Mississippi State, it's going to be tough. It wasn't, it wasn't tough for Kentucky at all. Chris Rodriguez looked like Chris Rodriguez again. And, I don't blame the defense for this loss. 
You know, they gave up a lot of yards, but State had 10 points going into the fourth quarter. I mean, that's that's just not enough to win. 27 points. I said this on the podcast. 27 points in this day and age of college football. That's not a lot of points. A lot of te- most teams, if they give up 27, they, they find a way to win. But State didn't do that, and the defense, it's sort of the same, it was the same game plan, same, same template as the LSU game. The defense couldn't get off, couldn't get off the field. The offense couldn't stay on the field. And then finally the dam broke. And that's how you get the, uh, the, the final margin that you get. I think that we all should have a great appreciation for the size and the growth of the audience of this show. Because something that we said multiple times last week and really multiple times for the last few weeks, has become a mainstream talking point among Mississippi State fans. And that is, how do you beat Mississippi State? We've been outlining it for weeks now. And I'm taking the lion's share of the credit on this, but I'm happy to share some of it. It's not you drop eight. It's not you bring the house. It's you bring pressure and you bring it in different ways. And you remember a couple of weeks ago I said, here's the thing that concerns me for Mississippi State. It's when they play people who are capable of and creative enough to bring different pressures consistently but not all the time. It's about getting pressure while being multiple. Because if you just do one thing, Mississippi State will exploit it. But if the thing you do is pressure, but you do it a little bit different on almost every play and you do it from different looks, that's when Mississippi State struggles. They struggled against LSU and lost. They struggled against Ole Miss last year in the Egg Bowl and lost in that scenario. They struggled against Kentucky on Saturday, and they lost. And if you watch that game, LSU consistently brought pressure, but they did it from different places. It came mm-hmm. up the middle. It came from the outside. It came from the edge. It came from linebackers. It came on twist. It came on delayed blitzes. It came in a lot of different ways, and Mississippi State didn't have an answer for the changes in the way that the pressure came. You're, 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 you're 100% accurate, and, and that's, that's, that's disappointing with a quarterback of Will Rogers' experience, right? You think he should be able to, like, I've seen these looks before. I, I, I should know what to do in these situations. The way he's played on the road this year has just been abysmal. These two games against LSU and, and, and Kentucky. You know, this is a guy who, I mean, he's won on the road before. He won at Texas A&M and Auburn last year. I don't think he should be getting shaken up the way that he, he appears to be in these games. Um, penalties, I, I, I brought this up on the podcast. In their last three trips to Lexington, State has has had thirty seven penalties in those games. Ugh. So, even That's if it's hard. just a five yard penalty, even if it's just a five yard penalty, you're basically averaging giving away sixty five yards worth of field position. And you know, there's plenty of personal fouls and defensive holdings. We saw a few of those and a pass interference here and there. So, State. Unfortunately, they're not going to get a lot of answers this week because they're just going to get crushed. And I want to make it clear. I'm going to say it today on Monday. I would have told you State was going to get crushed by Alabama, even if State had won this game by 40 points. I have no faith in State's ability to play with Alabama whatsoever. But they're going to come out of this Alabama game, they go to the bye week, and then it's okay. If you want to win eight, if you want to be improved over last year, we'll just say it, you got to beat Ole Miss. And as we sit here today, we talked you know, Friday with Bruce, what would Ole Miss be favored in the Egg Bowl? He said two and a half. 
I mean, I think Ole Miss is, is a bigger favorite than that now after what we saw from K-State's run defense and what Ole Miss can do running the football. It's a really long, hard road to eight wins for Mississippi State. And it went back to, because you, you had it against Texas A&M, you had it some against Arkansas as well, there was no explosiveness in the offense. Five yards per pass attempt. Eight yards per completion of a pass in this game. There was It was really telling uh, late. So State was down 10, they had the ball, they had to go down the field and score quickly. The first two passes of that possession went to check down at the line of scrimmage, check down two yards past the line of scrimmage. When you're down 10 and you have to go score fast, that was what happened. There, it Even when he had time, it's like uh, Rodgers was unwilling to, to try. And, and so often when this team gets like this, like I said before, it feels like every loss is the same. There, there was a complete and total lack of explosiveness, whether it be because of Kentucky, whatever Kentucky was doing, or or the unwillingness to try from the quarterback or what. But five yards per pass attempt isn't winning football games in the SEC. It's not happening. Eight yards per completion is not winning football games in the SEC unless you run for a bunch, which they obviously did not do. Ceasefire text line. Serious question. Camera kept showing Coach Leach signaling and speaking the offensive plays. Other coaches cover their mouths with play cards. Is that for real? Is he letting his plays be seen, or was that fake to cause confusion? Um, I would imagine it's probably real. I mean, but I mean, Leach's playbook isn't something that's of much conjecture. Everybody knows it's it's what the basic plays are. And he talks about it all the time. He got six, seven plays on on that little on that little card he has. So you know, he's not trying to deceive you as much. And really, those are concepts more than plays. Yeah, there, there are yeah. six or seven. And, and Rogers is supposed they, to have the ability to check at the line, so it doesn't really matter what Leach is saying. Which you you have said to your podcast listeners is something that you're not on board with 100 percent of the time. I think you're right. I mean, there are sometimes where I wish Leach would just say, "Hey, on this play, we're going to run the football. I don't care what the look is. If I don't like it, I'll call timeout." But you go run the play. Same with throwing deep from time to time. Like, look, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go down the field on this play. Do that. I disagree with you on that. I think you either okay. trust your quarterback or you don't. And and you're, I understand what you're saying where you want to run the ball. And look, we maybe we're gonna have a conversation on the sideline before drive begins. Look, we want to run the football. Do not get us out of that play unless there's like an absolute fire call. But if you're going to trust your quarterback, you got to trust your quarterback. That he understands the offense, that he understands not just what you're trying to do, but conceptually what you're trying to do. And if you get a certain look from the defense, you got to go with that. That's just me. That play by Emmanuel Forbes was so good. You're, you're watching He's good. on Ceasefire TV right now. Read it perfectly. I love one of the things they said on the uh, broadcast. They talked to Emmanuel Forbes and said, based on formations, he goes to the line eliminating plays. So based on a formation they're in, he will eliminate a certain number of plays so that he's only looking for a finite set of things based on what the other team does or a specific receiver does, and it gives him ability. That, that's that's high-level thinking in addition to being so gifted athletically. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi, end of the 4 o'clock hour. Ceasefire text line, Hunter and Columbus. I just don't understand this state team. They either look great or terrible. I'm done trying to figure them out. Gotta love being a state fan. Cowboys, all I'm worried about now, and the Egg Bowl. Is it Jekyll and Hyde, or did they just go play a good team on the road? There's some Jekyll and Hyde to it because they're, they're just so much worse on the road. It'd be one thing if they had played a good game and lost. Down at LSU, the same thing. Man, if, they, if they had played well and lost, you don't, you, don't, you don't sweat it too much. When they played that poorly on the road, that's Jekyll and Hyde. Is it self-inflicted poorly, though, or is it what the opponent is doing? It, it's an element of both. Because I think that, you know, the whole we talked in the first half of the show about adjustments. What adjustments is Mike Leach making to, to, to fight what Kentucky's doing? It doesn't feel like he's making any. You feel like he's just running the offense out there, and somebody will be open. Here's kind of a sobering question. What's his best win? This year? At Mississippi State. Probably at Texas A&M last year. Team that went eight and four. I mean, yeah. See that that's that's kind of what I think. It's fair to start asking. I'm not talking about jobs or anything like that. That's that's goofy. But is it simply the 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 best teams that they play are able to do what Kentucky was able to do? Because the best two teams they've played this year, they've lost to both. I think the biggest surprise to me from from Saturday night is how effective Kentucky's offensive line was. I mean, two weeks ago against Ole Miss, they looked like they couldn't block anybody. The same against South Carolina, they couldn't they couldn't really do anything. And then they came out against. They did get their right tackle flax back, which I mean, they did. Just one guy, but they've they've just been bad all year. This is a team that was averaging less than 100 yards a game running the football, and they rushed for 239. And it wasn't anything fancy. It's just sledgehammer, Chris Chris Rodriguez. To me, the bigger indictment, hey, Dad, is the fact that can, um, Mississippi State only sacked Will Levis one time. Yeah, which is incredible considering how many times they rushed. They, they yeah. put pressure. They, they, they brought pressure, but Kentucky did a good job of, of hemming it up. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the punt thing? I mean, it's, you know what? I, I, I sort of went into a little rant about that on the podcast, but Robbie talked me out. It's one, one punt. It's just one. It was bad, and they did nothing happened. Like that, I think, pretty sure that's the drive where uh, Emmanuel Forbes picks the pass off. So nothing came of it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a shank putt. It happens. All right. So what about Dylan Johnson? Well, as you and I and Maborky and everybody who listens know, we will never get an answer to that from uh, 
from Mike Leach. Uh, that said, obviously he was out of the game for an extended period of time. He did come back in. I know what they're saying about it on Twitter, but I have no way to confirm anything. So it, you know, did, my did guess I see that is the if person he's, who said something on Twitter was like the wife of a former high school coach or something along those lines. No, I yeah, I don't know. Yes, I, we, I don't, we have not independently verified that. Right. So and we and we won't be able to unless I can you know somehow run into Dylan Johnson here in Starkville. Probably not going to happen. Um, I don't want to see him anyway. Greenville St. Joe killed St. Al last week. Mm. So. But that said, you know, if he's banged up, you know, you hate to just throw throw it away, but I wouldn't play him much this weekend. And then you have a bye week, and then you see what he can do against Auburn. But if he's if he's hurt, well, then you're going to need uh, Simeon Price to step up. Got to have two running backs in this offense. I mean, and, and I'm not no, being you don't, when but, I say that. I, I, well, and, and I was going to say, I'm not being flippant, but I, mean, but I mean, it's 10 carries. But it's also, you hope, 15 blocking catches between catches, the two of them. Yeah. yeah, and then blocking everything else, yeah. Because so. Marks ran it five yeah. times, but he had seven catches as well. Right. Uh, Dylan right. Johnson had the two carries, and he had three receptions in the game. Looking at Will Rogers' numbers, 25 of 37. So in terms mm-hmm. of completion percentage, it's, it's still high. But... Not throwing it down the field. 203 yards total, one touchdown, one interception. Those are just not the numbers that we're used to seeing from Will Rogers. What what was different? Not this year. The pressure, I guess. I mean, I, I, I didn't think Rogers looked very confident from, from start to finish. He just did not look like himself. He had a couple drops early, and it, it just seems like this year, if, if they can't get it going early, they can't get it going. Last year was the opposite. Last year they started every game slow and they, they finished well. This year it's if you're, they're not clicking in the first quarter, you can probably write them off. Nathaniel Watson had 17 tackles. Well, I mean, middle linebackers should have a lot of tackles when somebody runs the football as much as Kentucky did. Yeah, but 17 is still a big number. It's a lot. It's a big number. He played well. All right, two hours in the books with you on this Monday, recapping the weekend. We'll look at the rest of the SEC when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, 5 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday, the 17th of October. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Golden Moon Casino. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for joining us. You can be part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 
Four three nine five. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. They've got all kinds of gear as we finally transition into cool weather and the fall. We still get the golf shirts. You can grab the quarter zips, the lightweight performance gear like the one that I've got on right now, or you can uh, get the ones that are a slight heavy, a slightly heavier weight. They've got quilted Field jackets uh, coming out for the fall. Some really good-looking vests. That's right up Michael Borky's alley. Borky, they've got one that, that has kind of like a quilted, waxed finish on the outside, and then it's like shearling lined on the inside for those really cold days in the Jackson metro area. They have to work on that for you, vest man. Oh, no doubt. I'd wear it every day. I know you would, although you might sweat in it if you wore it every day. You could wear it with no undershirt and maybe not sweat <laughs> Hey, hey Dad, would we pay to see that? Borky and a vest. Just vest? Yeah, just a vest. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on that, sure. Okay. Uh, but check them out online, genteelapparel.com. Don't forget the collegiate collection. Whether you want old Miss gear, state gear, or southern Miss gear, you can find it at genteelapparel.com. Time right now for the college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. Best-selling truck in America for 45 straight years. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All right, so let's bounce around the SEC from the weekend. Obviously, the game that got more attention than anybody else. We still haven't seen a rating number. But my guess, it is going to be massive when we see the number that CBS did for Tennessee-Alabama. And it's going to be a number that grew as the game went along. That was an audience that stuck with it because it was a game that demanded that it stick, or that that you stick. You just couldn't turn away from it. 52-49 the final. A couple of numbers from this game. Hendon Hooker. 21 of 30, 385 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. His longest touchdown pass was 78 yards. Jalen Hyatt caught all five touchdowns. How about this? Six catches. I'm sorry, he was, yeah, yeah, six catches, 207 yards, and five touchdowns. Pretty good day at the office. Yeah. There's an argument to be made that Brew McCoy made the biggest catch of the game. He made the catch on the ball that got Tennessee into field goal range for that knuckleball that split the uprights. Did you guys, when you watched it, think it was going to be short? I, I, I didn't know what was happening. Like it starts to flutter, and you're like, it doesn't look good. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I thought, it was, I thought it was going to, it was just going to uh, push right more than anything else. But it, it stayed on the course. Can we talk about what happened before that, though? This is yeah. the this is the kind of stuff that is fascinating to me because we. You mean what Alabama did? What Al- give the ball back to Tennessee? Or what Alabama didn't do really is more like it. So Alabama chose to not only not run time off the clock, like they were snapping the ball with twenty seconds left on the play clock when they were inside Tennessee territory. Now Tennessee did have timeouts. But in the final set of downs, what was it, three passes they threw? At least two. 
Mm-hmm. So they're in field goal range, 50-yard field goal. If they just take three knees and kick that field goal, Tennessee has no timeouts. But you've got but, Gibbs. But they were trying to w- well. win the game and didn't really trust Will Reichard, right? They were trying to win the game with Bryce Young's arm, but in that moment, what they should have done, it, it, it blows my mind that a Nick Saban coach team essentially gave Tennessee a possession. Mm-hmm. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to Alabama if they run the clock all the way down? You miss a field goal and go to overtime. It's the worst thing that's going to happen to you. Instead, you threw the ball, threw it incomplete a couple of times, let Tennessee save their timeouts, gave them the ball back, they go down the field, kick a field goal to win. The poor clock management from Alabama at the end of that game cost them the game. All right, so 326 remaining, Alabama at the 25. No gains on a carry from Jameer Gibbs. False start penalty. Pass complete for 13 yards. Pass complete for four yards, first down. Pass complete for 13 yards, first down. Incomplete pass with uh, 51 seconds left. They took a timeout after an incomplete pass, Alabama did, I guess. Uh, Incomplete pass to uh, Cameron Latu, the tight end. Complete pass to Ja'Cory Brooks for 18 that gets them to the 32-yard line. So right there, you've got first down on the 32 with, I've got it up now, 34 seconds left. And they didn't run the football. Incomplete to Cameron Latu. Incomplete to Jameer Gibbs. Tennessee takes a timeout with 25 seconds left. Incomplete to Jermaine Burton. 50-yard field goal attempt. Why on earth did you choose to not force Tennessee to stop the clock there? Just poor. It's what, is it one of those things where Alabama is just not in close games enough? What is what is the movie that's like that, where it's like he doesn't know what to do? It's the it's miracle. It's miracle where they're like, I can't believe he's not pulling the guys off the ice. He's like, he doesn't know what to do. He's never been in this situation before. Mm. Is there something to that where Alabama is just so never in these late games, got to have it situations that they're just that's like the one area they're just not super skilled at. So here it is. 15 seconds left in the game. Tennessee with the ball at their own 32. 15 seconds left. 18-yard completion, timeout. A timeout that Tennessee didn't have to burn because Alabama Mm -hmm. threw incomplete passes. Yep. 27-yard pass to Brew McCoy to the Alabama 23. Alabama takes a timeout to try and ice the kicker, I guess. Well, Tennessee called a timeout to stop the clock to kick the game-winning field goal. Then Alabama called one to ice it. If I remember correctly. Yeah. And then Chase McGrath from 40 yards, good winner, winner, chicken dinner. And then a flurry of incredible post-game videos from across the country of Tennessee fans celebrating in the stadium, outside the stadium, wherever they were. In the fourth quarter, Hendon Hooker was 6 of 9 for 147 yards and two touchdowns. In the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. That's winning time, baby. And, you you know, I mean, Tennessee's been tested this year, right? And they played in some games that mattered last year. 
and he's an experienced quarterback. But Hendon Hooker had not played in this game. Not not a game like no, this. No, no. The, the game against Ole Miss is the closest atmosphere that Tennessee has had to what they had this past Saturday. And, he, and it happened a year ago to the day. He looked like he had been a four-year starter at the number one team in the country every game. He was he not did. phased at all in this game. Not at all. The interception he threw, he was getting hit, so the ball sailed. And then the fumble was a weird exchange. Other than that, which those are significant, turnovers are bad, don't get me wrong. That was a bad fumble. Horrible. But that moment was not anywhere close to being too big for that guy. Hey, message on the on the ceasefire text line is absolutely accurate. If Jameer Gibbs doesn't drop that pass on the last drive with less than a minute to go, Alabama wins the game. That's true, too. There's about a dozen of those, though. If Tennessee doesn't fumble the exchange, yeah. they, they win comfortably. That game, I can give you 20 plays from both teams. That this happened the outcome of the game. Changed the entire game. All right, what about penalties on Alabama? I mean, this is the thing. It's it's what Nick Saban was asked about in his press conference more today than anything else. 17 penalties on Alabama. Say that out loud and make was, yourself believe it. I was thinking about that, and I saw a lot of what their fans were saying after 17 the game penalties the for NBA. 130 yards. I saw what their fans were saying about the officiating after the game. And all I can say is... <laughs> How does it feel? How does it feel, huh? Are you seriously going to complain before God and man, you Alabama fans? You've been living the life for two decades. Shut your mouths. <laughs> and it's happened two weeks in a row. They No, no, I'm talking about penalties late in the game that potentially change the outcome. They survived against A&M after horrible penalties on that final drive. A&M just couldn't capitalize. Tennessee did. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll talk more about the SEC when we come back. What we're going to do right here is go back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us. Middays with Gerard, uh, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Middays with Gerard Gibbert will be live at the Tupelo Furniture Market on Wednesday to kick off the 20th anniversary of Celebration Village. Celebration Village is a huge event with Christmas and home decor, food vendors, pottery, jewelry, and every gift you can imagine, and it's all under one roof. And Celebration Village benefits Sanctuary Hospice, Sanctuary Hospice who cares for everyone who can be admitted regardless of the ability to pay. Also, the Gallows Show will be broadcasting live at the Com University at East Mississippi Community College in Columbus on Thursday. They'll be talking about the upcoming Career Expo and the opportunities that our great community colleges offer all of Mississippi. So uh, be sure to check that out. I said we were going to get back to the SEC, and we are. But we need to talk about Southern Miss for a minute. 
Yeah. Southern Miss was at home on Saturday night. They were two and three going into their game with Arkansas State. And I understand what Arkansas State's record is. Like, I get it. But I've also seen Arkansas State play in person this year. And that's not a bad football team. They got James Blackman, the former Florida State quarterback, as their signal caller. They got a couple of wide receivers that can uh, can kind of get it done. Got some decent running backs. It's not a pushover team, despite the fact that they're only two and five on the season. And Southern Miss found that out on Saturday night. Arkansas State scored first, led seven to nothing. They added a field goal midway through the second quarter to make it ten nothing. Southern Miss got on the board before the end of the first half. Five minutes left. Uh, Wilkie to Brownlee for a touchdown to make it 10-7. But then Arkansas State added to their lead. Midway through the third quarter, they get another touchdown pass at 17-7, and then they get a safety with a minute left in the third. So it's 19-7 going into the fourth quarter. Southern Miss scores two fourth-quarter touchdowns. 30-yard touchdown run by Frank Gore. And then uh, Dean had a three-yard touchdown run. They went for two and did not get it. 20-19, to the final. Southern Miss comes from behind. They get it done in the fourth quarter in a game they just had to have. They just had to. Uh, Zach Wilkie was 11 of 20 for 132 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. Lang played some in the game as well. He was 6 of 12 for 45 yards. Frank Gore had 96 yards rushing, averaged five yards a carry. So that was a big win for Southern Miss, and it leveled their record on the season at 3-3. Three and three. Good win for the Golden Eagles. They're going to yeah, grind yeah. out 6-6. Six and six. They're going to get so? to a bowl. I feel it. I think they're going to the... beat Louisiana. I think they're going to beat uh, Louisiana Monroe. And I think they're going to get an upset either by either Texas State, Coastal, or uh, South Alabama. Uh, so at Texas State this week, then back home for a Thursday night game on October 27th against the Raging Cajuns. Then they get Georgia State at home. Got to go to Coastal, host South Alabama, who's been really good, and they finish really it up on the road against ULM. They're going to get three more. They're going to go to a ball. Okay. Southern Misses wins this year 64-10. to and then the other two, 27-24 and 20-19. Of course, they had the overtime they have a run over the year to uh, Liberty, 29-27. And they have a win over a top 25 team in Tulane. Tulane's ranked this week. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations right to Will Hall and Southern Miss for, uh, for getting that dub. And they are having to absolutely grind. You use the right word. Grind out six wins. Get to the postseason. Take a step forward, continue to build. And there's nothing wrong with saying it that way either. You know, no, hardly from where they were. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Building process for Will Hall. All right. So we talked about Tennessee and Alabama. There are a lot of people that are already put uh, penciling Tennessee into the SEC championship game. Yeah, they got. Shouldn't. They got Georgia in a couple of weeks. That changes. And that game in, in is Georgia. in Athens. That game is between the hedges 
on the final, uh, I'm sorry, first Saturday of November, November 5th. It's going to be a zoo. Uh, It's funny, I don't think Tennessee or Alabama deserved to win that game, and they also both did, if that makes sense. Uh, Deserves got nothing to do with it. Yeah, one did, one didn't. Yeah. I thought I thought Tennessee deserved to win. I mean, they didn't play great defense, but hey, they haven't played great defense this year. We talked about it on Friday. They're not a really good defensive team. They outscore you. Borky, did, Borky you didn't think they were going to get 30 points in that game. They got that, 52. That's going to come back to bite them in two weeks, I think. It probably is. It probably is. But for this particular game, it wasn't a problem because Alabama defensively hasn't been great this year either. Horrible. You know, I don't know that I've been more wrong I'm pretty confident. I have not been more wrong about a game than I was about Mississippi State and Kentucky. And it's funny because two weeks ago, I basically told you guys I thought Kentucky was winning because of where it was being played. And then I completely changed my mind based on how Kentucky looked against South Carolina and based on how Mississippi State had looked in its previous two weeks. I completely flipped. I was convinced State was not only winning, but they were winning comfortably. However, I was the same. Michael Borky has not been more wrong than he was about Tennessee, Alabama. I don't think on any other game this oh, year that when we made our picks right. on, he had he had Alabama winning by three touchdowns on Saturday. I've been wronger, wronger than that. We all oh, no doubt. Wrong. Yeah, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But there's no doubt I've been wronger than that. Yeah, proclaiming a three touchdown win. I, I don't know that I remember you being more wrong than that this year. Yeah, well, it happened. Maybe not this year, but. It happened. But, yeah, you're, you're, the Kentucky thing, I mean, I had State beat losing to Kentucky. My preseason prediction of State is exactly spot on to this point. I haven't missed. I missed in season because I switched like you yes, did. Yes, yes, yes. But when you proclaim, when I receive new information, I will change my proclamations. You don't get to hold on no, to your preseason pick because that's your mantra. I don't. I don't. I don't. But June Bryan was smart. June Bryan. Hey, the the honest reality about state is the egg bowl is going to be the difference between seven and five and eight and four. In all likelihood, that is correct. That is assuming. Because I mean, I'll I, be honest. I think if you're a Mississippi State fan, you're really, really sure pleased about Auburn. That Auburn has not made a coaching change. I was just about to the say the trend that, this year. I'm obviously. I guess they're not going to do it because they would have done it today, right? You wouldn't want to get two full weeks of practice in with your new coach. One would think. But, so, yeah, but I was thinking that. I was like, man, they're going to fire Harson and they're going to rally around whoever the new guy is and, and, and go from there. But that being said, you know, the way Auburn ran the football should worry you if you're a Mississippi State fan because you saw what Kentucky did. All right, Arkansas beats BYU 52-35. Hey, Dad, you were really high on the Hogs. You, you thought that this was like a rally point for them, and you, you said they're about to go on a run. Here's what's coming up for Arkansas post-BYU. They get this week off. They go to Auburn. They host Liberty. They host LSU. They host Ole Miss. They finish at Missouri. In reality, they should win the next three, and then we'll see what happens when they play Ole Miss. Yeah, BYU's defense stinks, but that was a nice bounce back. I mean, KJ Jefferson's good. They run the ball well. Again, BYU's defense stinks. They're they're quite bad, but 52 points is 52 points, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Played really well. I mean, and that's a 29 of 40, 367, and five touchdowns. That's a game that, you know, they've lost three straight. 
and in 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 some frustrating fashion for sure. And then they go they go on the road to a team that can beat SEC teams. They got the kind of physicality, and they just handled them. Yeah, they handled them pretty easily. So that's that's a good win. Arkansas was down thirteen to seven. They outscored BYU twenty four to eight in the second quarter, fourteen apiece in the third, and then seven nothing in the fourth quarter. So really, the second quarter was the difference in that ball game for uh, Arkansas with the win over BYU. Big day for KJ Jefferson. I I still kind of wonder about his health throughout the season with the way that they use him. So we'll see. Right. But having this week off here will help them. Yeah, no, no question. It's a good time for them. I mean, look, this is a week where you got five SEC teams with their open date. Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky all get this week off. Next week, Alabama has an open date following their game in Mississippi State. LSU has an open date following the game with Ole Miss. Mississippi State has an open date. Ole Miss is the last team in the SEC with an open date, and it does not happen until the following week, November 5th. Nine straight to start the year for Ole Miss before that open date. And they're a team that could absolutely use one. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We'll be back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. The other night game on Saturday night was in Gainesville, 90,585 the attendance. It was a packed house at the Swamp. It was Tom Petty Day, but it was LSU who did the singing on Saturday night. This was a seesaw game. Florida 7-0, tied at 7. Florida 14-7, tied at 14. Florida 21-14. Tied at 21. Then it was a flurry by LSU. 28-21 going into the half. 35-21 coming out of the half. 42-21. But then here come the Gators. Anthony Richardson with an 81-yard touchdown run, tackling optional for LSU on that play. And then uh, Florida got a touchdown from ETN to make it a seven-point game. But a 47-yard field goal with a minute 52 remaining for LSU uh, from... Their uh, their kicker made it a 10-point game, and that was that. LSU, best they've looked, best they've played all year. 5-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one in the SEC. Jaden Daniels, 23 of 32, 349 yards and three touchdowns, and he had nine different receivers catch those 23 passes. Led by Kayshawn Booty, who had six catches for 115 yards and was named a captain game captain going into that ball game. He looks good and comfortable. It's wild how many wide open receivers that LSU had and partially because they've got good talented receivers, but man, Florida's back end. We've got some bad secondaries in the SEC. 
Even the good teams. Alabama's is bad. Tennessee's is bad. Arkansas's is atrocious. Add Florida to that list, too. Terrible. You know, Ole Miss has got some issues on defense, but they may have, what, one of the three best secondaries in the SEC? They're good at corner. They're 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 good. It seems like the the strong safeties. I don't know what they call them inside their building, but everybody was mad at Chris Partridge, and I understand some of the complaints. Ole Miss is not getting home with three. If you just if you just rush three, drop eight, like you were beating Mississippi State in twenty twenty, you're not getting home. And and they do that some still, and it's weird because they were being aggressive early, and that stopped. I get it, but there were so many chances. For your run-stopping safeties, which is what they were billed to be, were in position to make plays and miss tackles or took terrible angles and miss tackles. It wasn't exclusively on scheme and play calling. That was an area that I thought was... Tennyson Young, um, Reese at times, those guys missed tackles. They did. A lot of them. Tennyson ran himself out of some plays. Really did. Florida is, let's see here. Florida is giving up 65% completion to its opponents. Goodness gracious. Yeah. That's. Um, I like Napier. I, th- I think he's going to be okay. But this has not been the most confidence-inspiring start for him. No. And he got off to a good one. He beat Utah, and you're like, okay. Maybe they're a little ahead of schedule, and then since that game, it's just been ugh. Florida is 11th in the SEC, giving up 244 yards a game through the air. The three worst are Arkansas, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. 315, 332, and 333. Ole Miss is actually middle of the pack in terms of they're giving up 202 yards a game. Mississippi State's giving up 222 a game through the air. Georgia the best at 163. Uh, Alabama giving up 198 a game. That Probably should look at the conference-only numbers. Yeah, uh, to uh, to get a better idea on yards allowed because everybody's played some. Ole teams Miss will there. probably be. Ole Miss might be number one because Kentucky didn't throw the ball particularly well. Auburn didn't throw the ball well. Vanderbilt hasn't thrown the ball well. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna have to. It'll take me a little while to find the SEC stuff. There it is. Pass defense in the SEC. Ole Miss giving up two thirteen a game. That's sixth. That's surprising. Tennessee is thirteenth. They're giving up four hundred two yards a game through the air in conference games, and they're ranked third nationally. Third in the country, number yeah. three. So if you can put it on the scoreboard, it doesn't really matter. We'll see what they can do when they play a team that can slow them down in Georgia. Yeah. Um, anything else stand out to you from, from the SEC this past weekend? Not really. It's a weekend you know, where we had, field, you know, had all 14 teams I'm, playing, seven conference games, which was great. We, it was. We talk about uh, playoffs. Playoffs? But there, hey, now we have true. this great that's scenario. That was two weeks ago when that was the case. You had Missouri, South Carolina, and Texas A&M all off this past weekend. Oh, that's so. right. They were off, yeah. yeah. But we have, we have this great scenario now where Tennessee loses to Georgia. 
Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, who goes to the playoff if Alabama is, doesn't lose again? you got three 11-1 teams in a round-robin that all beat each other. Can we, is it too early to go to 12? Can we go ahead and do it this year? It'd be nice. Or are we going to put three, three, I'm at three SEC teams and Ohio State? People will lose their minds. It'd be so funny to watch. SEC teams in the top 25 of the AP, Georgia at 1, Tennessee at 3, Alabama 6, Ole Miss 7, Kentucky 19, Mississippi State hanging on at 24. They dropped eight spots this week. They'll drop out next week after what Alabama does to them. Mississippi State stayed in the coaches poll as well at 24. Ole Miss is at 7 in both of those polls. What does a real one happen? Is that a... First week of November. What now? The real poll, the playoff poll. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's the first week of November, the first. I think it's the date. Oh, so it's, it's before those before November 5th games. Yeah, so the, the yes. weekend. I looked, the, I looked that up the other day. So is it the Monday night or the Tuesday night after Halloween? Right. Yeah. I know we just ripped so on the past. So let me ask you this. You go ahead. Let me ask you all this. The fact that Ole Miss isn't ranked ahead of Alabama, despite the fact that they're undefeated, is that a, is that a sign that... Is that disrespect, or is that people not taking Ole Miss seriously? Are the national people who vote saying the same thing that Mississippi State fans are saying, well, they haven't played anybody? I don't know that it's disrespect. I mean, when you're seventh in the country through seven weeks, um, I mean, Alabama dropped three spots in what was an epic game. I mean, are you going to drop them behind every undefeated team? I mean, if if, if you got to... If you have to put them behind Ole Miss, who's undefeated, you also have to put them behind TCU and UCLA? Maybe. TCU, maybe. What about UCLA? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I think there's still questions about Ole Miss, and, and, and that's valid. If Ole Miss goes to Baton Rouge and wins, and, and I frankly don't really care what the score is and don't really care what it looks like, if they go to Baton Rouge and win, they beat a five and two LSU team, who is not ranked, but is what would be they're two spots out of the AP and one and spot out of the. Coaches. How are they not ranked and state is? They beat state. I know because the people that vote in this poll don't watch or consider the games. That's why. Some 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 is definitely the case for that. Not all. There's some who take it seriously. If Tulane lined up across the field from LSU right now, who would win? Oh, of course yeah, LSU you. would. Of course they would. But at the same time, Tulane has gone out and they've gone six and one through seven games, and, and their loss one loss is a field goal. I understand. Yeah. But but they've won six of seven. I mean, I think there's some level of reward that should go along with that. It'll sort itself out. It will, but there's and not that it really matters. But why is Tennessee behind Ohio State and Georgia? I, I put that on Twitter, and a guy said, "Well, Georgia won the championship last year." I don't care. That's last year. That's last year. And what has Ohio it's State to done to tell you right that they're better than Tennessee right now? I mean, they Tennessee well. has proved they haven't, it the they haven't really been in trouble. Yeah, Tennessee has a road win against Pittsburgh. They've got a win against a Florida team that was ranked at the time, a road win against an LSU team that was ranked at a time at the time, 
and a home win over Alabama, who was number three at the time but has been number one at points of this season. And they, they have the best win. Tennessee has the best win of those three. Georgia has the second best, beating Oregon. Yeah. What's Ohio State's best win? And that Oregon, that Oregon win is looking better and better. Yeah, and then they didn't just beat them; they crushed them, they destroyed them. Ohio State's I mean, best win is no Notre is Dame. It? Is it? Three if that's your best Notre win, Dame? that's not good. Three, that's four, not Notre great. Dame, two and five Arkansas State. I have no idea what Toledo's record is, and I don't care. Three and four Wisconsin. You know, Rutgers may be their best win. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, gross. And people have C.J. Stroud in, ahead of Hendon Hooker right now. I love C.J. Stroud, should but be come the odds on. on favorite to win the, 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 the Heisman. There's no question in my mind. If he beats Georgia, you got to hand it to him. It's over at that point. I don't know. Three and three Rutgers. They don't have a good win. <laughs> no. Online, they don't have a good win. No. They look completely against the good. teams that they played. Funnily enough, we know they're good. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back to wrap it up. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. We'll see how it all shakes out at the end of the year. Ole Miss, and in the first two years under Lane Kiffin, has led the SEC in rushing. And I still like people sometimes seem a little surprised when they hear that. It's trending that way again through seven games. Um, wait, is that include? Yeah, and that includes the games from this past week. Yeah. Ole Miss averaging 271 yards per game. Next closest is Arkansas at 240. So 31 yards a game better than what Arkansas is doing on the ground. We will spend a lot of time throughout the course of the week talking about the games that are coming up. I am curious in terms of game plan for Ole Miss going into Tiger Stadium against LSU. What do you think the plan is? I think it's her. I think. Kiffin is good enough offensively, smart enough offensively, that he's going to do what has worked all season long and not try to get away from it, which is what Mississippi State did this last past weekend. They got away from what's been working. Kiffin won't get away from it. He's going to go out there. He's going to try to run the football. He'll set up the play action, and he'll go from there. LSU is giving up 145 yards per, uh, 146 yards per game on the ground. And they are giving up 192 through the air. So, anyway, we'll get more into those uh, numbers as we go throughout the week. I forgot to add a loser, by the way. Tom Brady. Okay. So, this is not atypical. This is fine. Tom Brady, during their game, was yelling and cussing at his offensive line. It wasn't that bad. Um there was some F-words and stuff in there, but told them that you're better than this and you're playing, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Tom Brady's earned a lot. He's got a lot of accolades, and I was listening to a former NFL offensive lineman talk about this today. 
regular Tom Brady yelling at you, you take it because he's the GOAT. The Tom Brady that now gets every Wednesday off just because leaves practice to go to Bob Kraft's wedding and isn't at your Saturday walkthrough, which, as he described, is the most important prep day of the week, takes a private jet, doesn't fly with the team to be there for the game on Sunday because he was at the wedding, shouldn't be yelling at teammates like that. If you're going to be absent, you can't just show up when it's game time and start yelling at people when you're not there for practices because you were going to some 81-year-old man's wedding. Loser. Adam on the ceasefire text line says that man should have stayed retired. Maybe. Would have helped a lot in his personal life, it sounds, but... Probably so. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Also follow along on all of their social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. No home football games for, uh, what, three weeks, four weeks from this past Saturday when Alabama rolls in. But plenty still happening in and around Oxford. Check out the events page to see all that is going on in Oxford. That's visitoxfordms.com. I got a winner that I forgot earlier today as well. The um, the Military Appreciation Day on Saturday in Oxford was off the charts good. Field looked great with the uh, American flag painted end zones, and they did the American flag inside the Ole Miss logo. The SOCOM Mississippi National Guard para-commandos were awesome that came in with the um, game ball. Three of them parachuted into the stadium. Super cool. And um, had the, the helicopter fly over and a bunch of military salutes. Just a really neat day all the way around. A lot of people involved with that. Tip of the cap to uh, everybody that was. Uh, <laughs> ceasefire text line. Question for the bride of Bob Kraft. What first drew you to billionaire Robert Kraft? His youthful spirit and personality. Hmm. Yeah. I'm glad he got married. Everyone loves a happy ending. No, you didn't. You did. You did. I did. Brian Haydad and Michael Borky will be with you tomorrow. I will be attending Aww. the state middle school cross-country meet. Looking forward to uh, to that. Going to cheer for my oldest daughter. With uh, the state I'm, meet I'm out up. Thursday, so it all balances out. Oh, yeah? Doing anything yeah. fun? I'm going to go pick up my mom. She will visit me here in Starville for the first time in like four years, so I'm pretty excited. Really? Yeah. But, but you got to run the taxi cab and to do it also. i got to go down there, yeah. That's it's fine. All right. I'm, willing to, I'm more than willing to do that. Is she going to hang for a few days? Yeah, we've got some uh, choir stuff and drama club stuff for the kids that she wants to see, so here we go. Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks for being with us on this Monday after a great weekend in college football. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios, I'm Richard Cross. Have a good Monday night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.